0: Hey, it's good to see everybody. We are going to get started. We are on chapter 24 and we are kind of coming to a close in our big section. Um, I think next chapter will kind of conclude that of our a section of 18 through, I think it's 18 through 25, which we are continually discussing um, the concept of this dormant love that we want to be able to access, um, in the spur of the moment. So we have gone on a journey and in this class, we will remind ourselves where we've been, what we know and what we're still, you know, needing to learn and know to understand this whole idea in a very clear way. So, um, Last chapter, chapter twenty three, we discussed what happens when you do a mitzvah, right? We spent a lot of time talking about when you when you do a mitzvah and you're connect. What are you doing, and what part of you is connecting to Hashem? And we learned that the Garments of the soul that you're using for the mitzvah, the energy that you're using to do the mitzvah, the object itself that you're using to do the mitzvah. All these things, the body, the limb, the body part that you're using to do the mitzvah, all these things are becoming a, a vehicle for the expression of godliness. And then we compared the difference between when we do a mitzvah and when we learn Torah, which one is a which one is a deeper connection. We learned the Torah is a deeper connection because it's connecting with Hashem's wisdom, which is Hashem's will, which is Hashem, right? A mitzvah is a vehicle to express Hashem's will. And when we learn Torah, we are becoming one with God's will. So now we understand that. Now we're going to move on to this chapter where we discuss, well, what happens when we actually um, transgress, right? We said there are 248 positive commandments, right? We know when we do those things, we know what happens. So now what happens when we transgress any one of the 365 prohibitions? Okay. So the, and that's the start of this chapter. So we know, we've discussed this many chapters ago that Hashem made this world um, like a mirror, right? Everything has an equal counterpart. So however much you know good and positive is in the world you know there's also negative right cuz everything needs to be balanced out right so we know that the the basically the prohibitions are going to do exactly the opposite of what the mitzvahs do so when we perform a mitzvah we know the connection that we have towards hashem and we're going to learn when we when we transgress the exact opposite is happening because we it it just it's it's like a scale right like it it just has that's how sham created the world that everything mirrors each other so when um when we so we know when we do a mitzvah whether this is very important because this is what we discussed at the end of last class whether we're conscious of this or not, right? Your soul, your mind, your body are in a place of non-dual energy that we are affirming and are in the place where we recognize that Hashem is the only thing that exists. And we are united with that, right? Why? Because When we do a mitzvah, we are accessing the the chachma of our soul, which we're going to get into that in a few minutes. But the divine, we're accessing the divine light. Remember what we said last week that is not diminished, doesn't go through any symptom. It's like Hashem's face, right? So that's what's happening when we do a mitzvah. Now, prohibitions represent the opposite, right? It's opposite of a mitzvah. It's an act that represents a complete rejection of the non-dual reality, right? And it's just affirming a detached reality. When we do something that Hashem specifically tells us not to, when we transgress, what are we saying? We're saying that we have we're a separate entity. We know we we're ignoring what we that Hashem knows what's best for us. We're ignoring Hashem's needs, which means that we're not, we are not participating in the non-dual idea of Hashem, that Hashem is everything, right? So when we have the audacity to transgress, what is that? It means that our ego is allowing us to think that we know better or, or we, we, our desires are more important than than God's will. And that Negates the non-dual idea of Hashem. Okay, so um, when we transgress, and uh, and a prohibition of the Torah is an idolatry are one and the same. Why we talked about this, right? Because it's coming from the same worldview. Idolatry, in, in order to, to, for someone to serve uh, something other than God, means that you believe that there's others others outside of God, right? The same thing when we are transgressing, we are, we are affirming our detachment from Hashem. So whether you're serving idols or you're doing another transgression, it's the same. It's coming from the same worldview, Okay. So I see, one second, I see a question in the chat box. So, okay, that's a very good question. What if we are not aware of the transgression, right? So we live in a a time in a world where there's a lot of assimilation, right? And there's a lot of Jews who aren't even aware of the prohibitions, the mitzvahs, like they're totally unaware. Now, obviously that takes on a whole different, um, dimension, right? It's not, it's not, I think the reality, it remains the same. The reality that this person is detached from Hashem is the same, right? It doesn't matter where that's coming from, but the, the responsibility and the consequences that come from that will be different because there is a, there is an element of unawares and ignorance, right? Now, the, but the other thing we have to remember is that we do have a responsibility to learn, right? We can't just say, "Oh, I don't know anything about my Judaism," so that lets me off the hook. We do have a responsibility to learn about our heritage and our Judaism and our our life. But again, it's not expected that someone who hasn't been enveloped by uh, Jewish um, life and culture and 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 um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, lifestyle to be able to do it all, right. So the time is very, very much a part of well, this is a journey, right. Remember, we always have to remember that this is a journey, more important than the end goal is the journey itself. And where are you in the journey doesn't really matter as long as you're going up, right? We want to be going up the ladder, not down the ladder. So if we're in this journey, no matter where each of us are on in our journey, and we're all in different places, if we're moving upwards, if we're constantly striving to learn more and understand more and connect with Hashem, really that's where it's at, right? So it's not expected for somebody who's learning about Yiddishkeit and Judaism to be able to do all the, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Um, That's my daughter calling from camp. (laughs) Um, So we we're not expected to be able to do this all at once. So, so very good question. Now, um, so we, when we learned, so back to what we were discussing, when we learned last week that when a person does a mitzvah, His soul garments and his body become what to Hashem? Do you remember what analogy we used? A chariot? Yes, a chariot to Hashem. Our soul garments and our body become a chariot to Hashem, which means they totally um, subservient to Hashem's will, right? Now the Tanya teaches us that when a person transgresses, the reverse happens. His soul garments and his body merge with the power of Klipa. Right. And remember, we learned what Klipa is, right? It's the powers of the of the world, the negative powers of the world that comes from the back side of Hashem. Remember? So, and if we go all the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you to go all the way back to chapter seven, and when we where we learned about the animal soul. And we learned that the animal soul is built from Klipas Noga. Who remembers what Klipas Noga is? Klipas Noga is that neutral energy, right? We have have holy, we have impure, and then we have that neutral energy, which is what 99% of the world is made up with, right? The world is mostly neutral energy. And depending on what we do, depending on what we choose to do, it either gets elevated to Kedusha, elevated to holiness, or demoted to impurity, right? So this animal soul that we have inside of us is neutral. It comes into our body as neutral. Depending on how we use this animal soul, depends on where this animal soul's energy is going to be coming from and what it's doing, right? So when we transgress, it Demotes our animal soul to the impure klipas, And that soul energy is being dragged down to impurity. Okay. So um, the impure klipa, um basically it's called idolatry because it's due to the perception of the... Comp- of complete detachment of God, right? So we call any, like, remember um, a couple of weeks ago, we we equated um, the impure klipas, the sitra achra, right? The other, like, it, we, it's called sitra achra for two reasons. One, it's because it's other, it's receiving its energy from the backside of Hashem. And one is that it's other, like we're serving other gods, right? So it's equated because all, all, all that's happening is when we do these things is that we are affirming our detachment from Hashem. Okay. So we have a basic understanding. Obviously we can go much deeper, but we have a basic understanding of what happens when we do a mitzvah, right? And what happens when we transgress, right? And basically it's one opposite the other. It's When we do a mitzvah, our whole body and soul are involved in becoming a vehicle for godliness and Hashem's will. And when we transgress, our whole soul garments and our body become a vehicle for which um, negativity is and klipa is expressed, right? So depending on what we're doing is what our body is becoming a vehicle for, right? So now the tanya is going to make a pretty bold statement we're not going to freak out because we're we have so much to learn and this is one part of what we have to understand but what the tanya is telling us is that when a person transgresses that they actually become lower than the klipa itself when a person uses their body and soul to transgress they become lower than the actual energy of the transgression itself okay how could that be there's two reasons why the first reason being the force of klipa has no physical body or form right but when we do when we actually use our body to transgress it now gives the klipa a, a, a physical form and our body becomes a vehicle in which that klipa is expressed. So before we transgress, yes, the klipa existed in the world, but it didn't have an entryway, it didn't have a way to express itself. But when we take our physical body and we use that for a negative, something negative to transgress, we are now giving that klipa a form. We're giving that klipa a way in which to express itself. Okay. And the second reason why we are worse than Klipa when we sin is that Klipa, remember we learned we learned this a couple of chapters ago. Klipa is in this world for a reason, right? What's the reason why negativity exists in the world? To provide us with free choice, right? In order to have free choice, we've got to have a choice. So Klipa is actually here on a mission. It doesn't have a choice. It's here for a reason. And even though klipa acts as though it's totally separate from God, it's really just doing God's will. So really deep, deep inside, the klipa is, is completely subservient to God and recognizes that its its energy and its source is godly because it's here to do God's will in providing us a choice for free will, right? So clepa is negative and it's negative energy, but it doesn't have a choice doesn't choose to be negative. Its whole purpose in the world is to be negative, to provide us a way to be godly, right? But when we choose to do something negative, we are doing it of our own free will and of our own volition. So when we choose to do, to do something negative, we become way more negative and our, our, we become we we drag ourselves to a way lower level than if than the klipa itself right so we understand those two reasons it makes sense right so um, we now so we have we have a, so we now understand what's happening when we transgress not only are we allowing klipa to be expressed in the world, we're actually dragging ourselves down to a level that's lower than klipa itself. Okay, so that's going to help us and give us the foundation for the rest of the chapter and what we're going to discuss. And the rest of the chapter, we're going to address the question that we asked all the way back in chapter 18, which was the start of this section of Tanya. And what was the question that we asked is how can we say that worshiping Hashem is very much within our reach. Remember that question we had way in the beginning. Serving Hashem is very much within our reach, right? That was the question we had. So, um, and we, and we said, yes, serving Hashem is within our reach and we have, we have a few reasons why we said so. Number one, we said we naturally have the power of Chachma in our souls, right? And Chachma is the direct window to Hashem that enables us to look beyond our ego and ourselves. So Chachma is is what allows us to push aside our ego and our own selfish agenda and connect with Hashem Himself. So, because Chachma, every one of us is born with Chachma in our soul. Remember, we said it's a gift from our our, our forefathers, and it and because Chachmah is the window in which it's like a, it allows us to put ourselves aside and connect with Hashem, right? And Remember, this is like a this is like we're going in tiers here, levels, and we learned that chachma surfaces any time, uh, in any time of crisis. Right? For example, what it was the example that we said? Like, if one is is if one is forced into conversion, right? Then chachma emerges and doesn't allow that to happen. Right? We still have the question. Because, yes, we have access to our Chachma in our soul in a crisis, right? But that doesn't make it very near. Very near would mean if we would have access to it anytime, anywhere, right? So we still need to answer the question on how Chachma is is, um, uh, accessible to us on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So let me, let me say that again. We know that serving Hashem is near to us because we know that we are gifted with this Chachma. This gift of Chachma is in our soul. What does this gift of Chachma do? It allows us to put aside our ego and connect and, and it's the window into, into connecting with Hashem. Right. And we know that this Chachma emerges when there's a crisis, when there's a crisis of faith, when we, when we are faced with the decision of convert or die, I'm not going to say all the time, but many, many times, most of the time, our Chachma will kick in and it will say, no way, there's no way we're going to sever that connection with Hashem by converting to another religion, right? But we need to know how we have access to that Chachma on a day-to-day basis, okay? So in order to understand how that is possible, that's when we launched into this whole topic And lengthy discussion of the non-dual idea of Hashem. Talking about how Hashem is the only thing that exists and nothing exists outside of Hashem was bringing up this topic was all to answer the question on how we have access to our Chachma on a day-to-day basis. So we didn't answer it yet, but we are, that's why I'm reminding you why we got into this discussion in the first place. Why are we talking about this non-dual idea of Hashem? Why are we talking about the the intensity of our connection to Hashem when we do a mitzvah and the intensity of our severance of Hashem when we don't do a mitzvah. Why why is this applicable? It's all going to come full circle and all going to help us understand this idea of how we can access that chachma, how we can access this um, power and this service of Hashem that's supposed to be very near to us on a day-to-day basis, okay? So... Within this, within this discussion of the non-dual idea of Hashem, we, went, we talked about consciousness and unconsciousness, right? So consciousness is that everything is an expression of Hashem. That's, that's how the world is. Unconsciously, um, Hashem presents in a hidden way, right? Hashem is in this world. And he went through tzimtzum. He went through a diminishment and he's hiding his face. Okay? And finally, we learned that positive mitzvahs are an expression of that conscious reality. When we do a mitzvah, we reveal the conscious reality that Hashem is everything. You're with me so far? Okay? And when we transgress it's a result of the unconscious when we transgress we are just promoting the unconscious idea that we think we're separate identities okay so by saying the word that worship of hashem is very within our reach tanya is saying that living in that conscious reality is possible Living in that reality that everything of Hashem is an actual possible way to live. And any time that unconscious um, scenario or um, idea presents itself, it can be eliminated through Chachma. Any time we have a situation where we are presented that we are going to be separated from Hashem, we can use Chachma to eliminate that idea. What we're basically saying, and I'm going to foreshadow a little bit, is what we're basically saying is that any time we are presented with a choice to do a mitzvah or to transgress, we have the ability to choose the right thing by using our Chachma. By recognizing that every time we transgress is a complete severance of Hashem, and we use our chachma to eliminate that ability, that opportunity, we are living in, in the conscious realm of the Hashem being everything and nothing exists outside of Hashem. And this is practical. And the, what we're going to talk about in the rest of this chapter is, is how that works and how we can make it practical. Okay, because right now it still seems a little bit lofty and a little bit like, yeah, like if you say so, right? Like who's actually going to do that? But by the end of this chapter, we're going to recognize and understand that we actually can do that. We actually can take our Chachma, we can take that um, crisis scenario and apply it to any time we're about to transgress. Okay, any questions so far? We're good. This all makes sense so far. Okay, so to demonstrate that this is an actual reality, the time is going to have to show us um, how the chachma that emerges only in an emergency situation can be produced at any time, at any place. Tanya's going to have to prove to us that that this Chachma that is really an emergency tool is actually able to be produced at the blink of an eye. Because let me take you back. Remember, we we wanted a quick tool. We wanted a quick tool to serve Hashem. Remember, before we were working on meditation, right? But that takes a long time for our emotions to match up with our actions and to actually create those feelings for God right So we're like wait a second if, med- if what happens if we need to in a moment's notice to be able to make a right decision and and to make the decision to serve Hashem meditation isn't always gonna work if we're not there yet right so the whole reason why we're bringing this topic up is because we need instant we need an inst- we live in the world of instant gratification right we need something to work and to work right away so, the tiny says, I, I, we, we have something that works right away. That dormant love, you know, that dormant love that we get from our forefathers that every person has, that's your, that's your instant gratification solution. And we went on to explain how, well, what do you, what, what's instant gratification about it? Only in a crisis is it instant gratification. Only in a crisis could it be that this dormant love saves us. And the tiny says, no, no, no. This actually can be used on a day-to-day basis. And this is where we're at, okay? So the sages say that every sin is caused by a delusion. The only way we are able to sin is because a spirit of folly, this delusional idea comes into our head and allows us to sin, okay? And the Tanya actually says in the, in the verses itself, it says, even someone who's on a very, very low spiritual level, right? And for example, like an adulteress, right? They could be able, they would be able to control themselves if not for that delusional spirit that tells them that this sin isn't so bad right? That tells them, don't worry. This th- it justifies and rationalizes what they're doing because it's the Tanya says that this same adulteress, if they were to be presented with bow to this idol or die, they would choose death. They would choose death, but this is a person on a very low spiritual level. How does that make sense? How does that make sense that this person who's willing to commit adultery is also willing to die for God by not bowing to a, a, an other God. And it's only this only happens because the spirit the spirit of folly, this this um, delusional spirit tells this person that there's levels of sins and this sin isn't so bad. It's not going to sever you from God completely. So this sin you can do but this sin you can't. That's the only reason why that would ever happen. Okay? So the only explanation for something like that to happen, for, to be, to, for there to be such a discrepancy, for someone to be able to do certain kinds of sins, but not able to do other kinds of sins, the only explanation is that there's a spirit of folly that enters us and convinces us that there's there's different degrees of sin, right? And um, we also also get sidetracked by the fact that different sins have different um, consequences, right? And some sins are consequenced by death and some aren't. So that traps us in being like, oh, well, certain sins, the ones that are not punishable by death, must not be as bad of a sin. And we're going to talk about how that's not actually the reality. But the Tanya says that if we were to tell ourselves every single time we're about to sin, if we were to to contemplate that every sin is a uh, detachment from Hashem, as severe as idolatry, then we would be able to control ourselves. We would be able to hold back from sinning, right? And I wanna read from you inside the, the chapter from, um, quoted from, I think it's Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi. Um, sorry, Rabbi Yehuda HaChasid says, so, the, so before I quote him, it says the Tanya's argument here is that we can avoid transgression by contemplating one's willingness to die for Hashem. If we're willing to die for Hashem, when it's convert or die, if we were to contemplate on that before we sin, chances are we'd be like, well, I'm willing to die for Hashem. Why would I, why would I ever transgress this sin? And to quote from Yehuda HaChasid, when something comes your way, which is against God's will, or your impulse to evil pressures you to transgress, contemplate that if you were faced with forced conversion, you would undergo torture or death for God. Now, if you would choose death over life, then all the more you should resist your impulse to evil for this comparative small matter. So do you get what we're saying here? If we were Willing to die for Hashem, right? Our soul was willing, we were willing to die for Hashem. And here we are um, with evil, we're being pressured to do evil from wherever the pressures are coming from. If we tell those pressures, if we tell those evil inclinations that, hey, I'm willing to die for Hashem, I'm not going to let you pressure me into doing this stupid, silly thing. If we were to contemplate on that, then we would many times save ourselves from sin. Okay, now, um, obviously, we the Tanya is gonna play devil's advocate here, and it's gonna say, well, the impulse to evil, our impulse to evil might try to argue this fact, right? How would it try to argue this fact? Is that that uh, like I said before? Certain sins seem way more serious by the consequence that come along with it, right? By the punishment that comes along with it, right? So um, the adulteress, uh, like so, so committing adultery is you could think is a far lesser transgression because of the lesser consequence that it has and therefore makes it a more tolerable sin, right? That's what the adulteress is impulse to evil is telling her, right? Oh, well, obviously you can't sever your connection to Hashem completely by converting to another religion. That's unacceptable, but committing adultery like it's not punishable by death. So that means that, you know, the consequences isn't so bad, which makes it a much more tolerable sin, right? That's the argument. So if that's true, um, then it, it just basically, it's just not true because it's delusional to think that any mitzvah has less of an, of any, Negative effect on your connection to Hashem. All, mitz- all mitzvahs and all transgressions are equal in the sense that if you perform a mitzvah, any mitzvah, you are becoming a vehicle for Hashem's oneness. If you perform a transgression, you are becoming a vehicle for klipah, for unholiness. It doesn't matter what that sin is. Because in the moment, what you're doing is severing from Hashem. It doesn't matter what the sin is. Now, the reason why different sins have different consequences, first of all, some of it could be irrational. We don't understand. We always have to preface that we're not always going to understand God's ways. So sometimes there'll be um, a sin that has a very severe consequence that doesn't make sense to us. And that's okay. But. But. There is a logical reason why certain things are punishable by death and certain things aren't. I see some chats, one second. Yes, okay, so what if adultery is rape? What's your question? Is it worse of a
1: sin? Well, it's not voluntary yet part of the person. Oh, you're saying the, the
0: victim of the adulterers is, is yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent. That is, he's not, that person is not um, the person who is a victim of, a, of, of rape is not a sinner. Okay? okay. That is completely out of their control. That does that's hands down, not a person's they have to suffer the consequences of what they deal with by being uh, a victim Victim. of a horrible crime, but they're not considered a a sinner. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, And then we have another question. It almost seems like the spirit of folly takes away our free choice. Yes. If we let it, right. If we let the spirit of folly take away our free choice, then yes, it takes away our free choice. But if we under, it only takes away our free choice if we don't understand it, right? If we just are ignorant to what it actually is happening with inside of us, then yes, it feels like we don't have free choice. But if we, if we understand the game of the spirit of folly, we can play the game too, right? If we understand where that spirit of folly is coming from and we take away that um, mystery or that you not know, understanding of, of what's happening inside of us, then we play the game, and then it doesn't take away our free choice because we can play. We can we we're, we're an equal match. Okay, so um, all very good questions. Now, one of the reasons why a, a sin has different consequences is like this. What is what is the main goal to be on this earth? What is the purpose of us being here? The purpose of us being here is to do more and more mitzvahs, right? So if a person were to transgress, that's why it says like, um, that's literally the reason why it says you save a person's life over keeping Shabbos, right? Because we want to save the person's life, so they will have many more Shabbos's to to serve, right? We want to, it's important. So when a mitzvah, when we transgress a mitzvah, that if we were to live, right, we can do many more mitzvahs then the goal is always to live, right? The goal is to live so we can do more mitzvahs. But when we convert, when when it's an issue of conversion or die, what happens when we convert? Are we going to be doing more mitzvahs? Are we going to be living in this world in a godly way? No. So that's the only reason why something would be punishable by what, why death would be an option. The only reason why death would be an option is well, we, we, we live in this world to connect to God and do mitzvahs. So that's why there's only very, very few mitzvahs, only very, very few transgressions that are punishable by death, because for the most part, we transgress, we realize we make a mistake. We do teshuva, we repent. We, we recognize where we went wrong and it allows us to make better decisions so we can continue living in this world, making good decisions and bringing God into this world, right? So if every mitzvah is punishable by death, we would, God would be really self-sabotaging himself, right? Because wouldn't, he wouldn't have very many people around to serve him. But so that's why we have to take the punishments of the sins kind of like with a grain of salt. It is not an indication of how severely we're detaching from God. We can't decide how severe a sin is by the punishment, so just because we are the, the punishment isn't as severe as some other punishments, doesn't take away the fact that when we're actually in the act of sinning, it's just as there's no differentiation between any mitzvah, whether you're, you know, transgressing Shabbos or transgressing kosher or any of the things are equally separating you from Hashem and making you a vehicle of impurity. Can I ask
1: a question? Yes. What if you're in a situation, in a living situation where you live um, and you don't have really many choices of doing every single thing exactly to Hashem's um, uh, desire, say on on Shabbos, for example, or even every day? if you are living in a situation where you cannot physically do the exact same, all the things you can do as much as you can mm-hmm. to a certain point, And then other things, if you're not living alone, if you're not living with another Jew, if you're not, if the other person has kind of domination over you or, you know, whatever, uh, would you choose to for Hashem to go out of that house and not have a home, uh, live, um, you know, yeah. being on the saying. street? Yeah,
0: I hear what you're saying. This is a this is a, I, I don't, I'm probably not qualified to answer this question completely, but but I want to remind you what we said in the beginning of the class is that none of us are perfect, none of us are going to be. I think I, it's safe to say that none of us right now are do, is doing everything exactly according to Hashem's will. Remember, this is a book on, that we are on the journey of becoming a Benani, of a journey that's working towards somebody who will have perfect actions, right? We're not, we're not on the journey to be a tzaddik. That's not within our reach. We're in journey of someone who can have, so on the, on the path of having perfect actions, the key word is journey. So none of us are, are, are actually there at this moment. I mean, actually, I'm speaking for myself. I'm definitely not there at the moment, right? Uh, there's like 75% of my day that I, I could be doing things better, right? Now, now, and now take that and put yourself in a situation where you really don't have much free choice, whatever, whatever scenario that might be, and you're doing your best and you're serving Hashem in every capacity that you have possible. I think that's what Hashem asks of us. That's what Hashem's asking of us. I don't, you remember our life is more important. So if you were to put yourself in a situation in a homeless situation or living off the streets, which is um, not safe and can, can be dangerous and affect your life, I don't think that that would be God's choice for you, right? God wants you to stay alive so you can do more mitzvahs. So, are there ways to figure out how to get out of an abusive or unhealthy situation? We always need to try to do that. But we, but there's nothing, there's no part of Judaism that expects us to um, put our lives in real immediate danger um, to be able to do everything perfectly right? Because we just said the point is to live, right? The point is to live so we can do more mitzvahs. Now I want to, I want to say that sometimes we have to deal with consequences for things, even though it's not our fault. And I tell this to our kids all our time, all the time, right? Something's not our fault. It's not fair, but it's the reality, right? And we have to deal with the consequences of that. Similarly, spiritually is the same. That's, you know, that's a physical example, right? Like a personal example, my kids are adopted, right? And they have their traumas and their things that they went through. They didn't choose that. Right. But, but they are in a situation. They are in a reality that makes life a little bit harder for them in certain areas and they have to deal with it. Right. They have to embrace their lot. And I want to say it's the same spiritually just because We are not in a position to necessarily do everything perfectly and, and be vehicles for Hashem's godliness all the time. We do have to deal with the fact that sometimes we are vehicles for impurity and we are severing our connection to Hashem, even if it's not in our control. And sometimes we have to deal with the effects of that. Basically, what I'm saying is when we are transgressing, even if it's at no fault of your own and you have no control, you might still have to deal with the ramifications of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So sometimes, and it's not fair, right? It's not fair. If you're in a situation where it's not fair and you're having to transgress. Now, I don't think you're, you're going to be held accountable as a, as, a, as a sinner or someone who's transgressing on purpose, but you will deal with the fact that negative energy is coming through you whether we like it or not. Now, how we choose to deal with that and what we choose to do about it is a very individual journey. And I cannot answer what each person needs to do in their own life That's would be really inappropriate. But, um, but what I can say is that the only thing that the Hashem and through the Tanya asks of us is to be a more conscious participant in our life. And being a more conscious participant in our life means doing what we're doing, becoming more aware. What happens when we do a mitzvah? What happens when we don't? What, what's the inner workings of the world? What are the levels? What is the purpose? Like once we become more and more aware and become active participants in our spiritual journey, we have the ability to make better choices and, we are, and we're on the path, right? We're on the journey and the path of doing things in a godly way as much as we can. We don't expect perfection, especially right away, right? We're working towards a goal, but we always have to remember it's that, and we will, um, I, I can't remember which chapter it is in, but the, and I think we'd actually, it comes up a lot in Tanya, but I think we actually mentioned in one of the chapters at like 16 or 17, but the beauty's in the work. Remember, we said the service is in the challenge. The service is in the work. When you're faced with the challenge, if you could look at it as, wow, this is my service. That throws everything on its head. Instead of saying, wow, my challenge is preventing me from serving God. You say, no, the challenge is my service. This is how I'm serving God through my challenge. That changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so a little bit of a, digre- a digression, but a very, very important one. If, all, if we only come away from the, for this one point for this class, then I'm happy. Forget everything else, right? This is the crux of it. This is what we have to understand. Um, uh, OK, so what, where were we in, in, inside the text? So we were saying you cannot look at transgressions as equal sorry, you cannot look as transgression as like having different severities by their punishments, right? Because that, is, doesn't, that doesn't give us the clue at all, right? What we need to know is that when we transgress, no matter what sin it is, the same thing is happening. And, this, and what's happening is, is that we are becoming a vehicle for klipa to exist. And we said, remember, in the beginning get, beginning of the class, not only are we allowing that to happen, we become worse than the klipa itself, because we, ha- because we know better, right? And kliya has no choice. Kliya serving God's will by being in this world to provide us free choice. That's not the truth for us. Now, it's important. Another important distinction that we need to make is that what happens when during the transgression right? When we're actively doing the sin, what's happening? And we have to differentiate to what are the ramifications or consequences from that sin, right? we have to differentiate between the two. In the moment of transgression, all sins are detaching you from God completely, hands down. There's no differentiation. It's all the same. But after the sin is completed, The spiritual consequence or the damage that's being done from that sin will vary according to the sin. Right? Do you get the differentiation? And here's a logical reason reason why the punishments are different. Because each sin affects your soul differently. And the point of the of the consequence or the punishment is to purify your soul. Right, so hands down, while you're doing a sin, whether it's not keeping Shabbos or whether it's uh I don't know, whatever, not keeping kosher, all like it's all during the sin, there is no differentiation. It's it's the same. You are severing your connection, you are you are becoming a vehicle for klipa for impurity. But after the sin, the ramifications or the damage that's done to your soul is different person. Different things happen when you do different transgressions. That's where it's not all created equal. And that's why different punishments have to exist to purify your soul according to that specific damage. Okay, so even though. The sin was a complete detachment from Hashem in the moment it is temporary. That complete detachment or that complete subservience to evil is only happening while you're doing the sin. It's not a permanent thing. Right? Of course, there's damage that's being done. But that level and degree of detachment is only during the sin. But Um, this is how the Tanya ends off. It's kind of, kind of like scary, but when, even when the sin's being committed, the divine soul is still retaining its loyalty to Hashem, right? The divine, even when it's being sinned, the divine soul knows that its alliance is still to Hashem. It's just an exile. The divine soul gets put in exile when we're sinning. Okay. And it's trapped and it's powerless. When we're committing a sin, our divine soul is powerless and trapped. And it's like, it's in exile, right? And our divine soul is kind of like trapped within our animal soul, which then causes the body to sin and to drag our whole system down. It's dragging everything down to the depths of the grave, like the furthest depth you can imagine, right? So far down that we beca- we become lower than Klippa itself. There is no greater exile than this. So during a sin, even though this is not a permanent thing, during the sin, we are taking our divine soul, which is trapped and powerless and in exile, and we're schlepping it down all the way down to the grave which is the worst of the worst it's the greatest exile the, the biggest worst place it can be right
1: so why? why yeah so it's scary. very scary listen
0: uh. but don't worry don't worry uh, why is it so severe why is it so severe when we sin why does it have to be so scary it's because the root of the soul is chachma okay Chachma is that surreal, divine light that has like this intimate bond with Hashem. And then you take that divine light that doesn't go through Tzim, tzim That's Hashem, it's Hashem showing us, it's, 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 it's His real face. And we take the divine light and we drag it into sin. It's like taking the face of a king, the Tanya compares it to, taking the face of a king and dunking its head in a toilet bowl full of filth. That is the. There's no greater humiliation than that, right? There's no greater than the humiliation than taking a king's face and putting it in a toilet bowl full of filth, right? But that's what we're doing when we sin. We're taking our divine soul that has chachma, that has a chachma of Hashem in it, and we're putting it in a bucket of filth. That's what we're doing when we're soul. So even if it's just for a moment even if the sin takes a split second, in that moment, we are dragging Hashem down into the filth. And that's why it's extreme. Okay. Now we, the Tanya is not about depressing us. It's not about freaking us out, but it's important to know the reality of what happens when we take action, and that's why we want to be intentional with our actions. Okay, and that's why, and we're gonna get into it next week more so how this is very within our reach, but that is why, if we tell ourselves that there's no difference between idolatry and any other sin, and we're willing to die to Hashem for Hashem. Rather than convert, right? If we keep that in mind before before we sin, if we keep that in mind and say to ourselves, "This sin will drag Hashem down into a toilet bowl full of filth," right? This sin is just as as um, epic as converting. What's going to happen? Your chachma is gonna kick in, because it's gonna be a crisis. Basically, what we're saying is every opportunity of transgression is actually a crisis. Every moment that you have a choice between sin and not sin is a crisis, because any sin does just as much damage as idolatry. So if we would take, if we would take that and say. Every sin is a crisis. That means what happens? This is the positive. Carrie, don't freak out. The, the, what, what we're saying is is the positive. What we're saying is if, if we recognize that each sin is a crisis, guess what happens? Something's good comes of it. Your Chachma kicks in, right? Your, your emergency power system, your dormant love kicks in because it, it, it senses the crisis. So what we're saying is that there's not the crisis isn't only when its convert or die. That's not a that's not the only crisis. Every time we're presented with a sin, it's a crisis and allows your dormant love, your chachma, to kick in and prevent you from doing it. But you have to be conscious of it, right? We can say, well, how come we don't experience it all the time? Well, because you don't know you don't know it exists and you don't know how to talk to yourself. don't know how to self-talk it to exist you have to be a participant in this journey now this this chapter was intense okay we talked a lot about sinning and a lot about the separation of hashem but it's only to provide for us the tools to to rise above it okay so Yes, we sometimes have to be faced with the harsh reality of what actually happens. We don't like to go, we, we're not supposed to go through the, the world with our heads stuck in the sand, right? That's not an excuse. So sometimes the tiny gets a little harsh with us and says, you wanna know what's really happening? Here's what's really happening. You wanna know how to prevent that? Here's what to do. Here's how you talk to yourself. Here's how you prevent this from happening. And it gives us the tools to do so. So that is the end of this chapter. How are we doing? Do we have any questions? How are we feeling? Do we feel like, t- talk to me.
1: I think you know how I'm feeling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're freaking out. That's okay. We, we you st- Stick with me. We're next week. It's going to be better. Um, but you know what? You know what I want to say is the fact that it's affecting you so much. The fact that you're really freaking out is exactly what the Tanya is saying. Your soul gets it. Your soul gets it. And now when you have when you're faced with opportunities of mitzvahs or transgressions, what do you think is gonna happen? Your soul's gonna be like, wait a second, I don't want to put my soul and God in a bucket full of filth. Right? And it allows us to make better choices.
1: So I've changed my entire life for Hashem because I seriously
0: adore him well you're literally putting what we're saying into practice this should bring you joy you're literally putting what we are saying into practice you changed your whole life for hashem i That's
1: i, I did i did but the reason i'm feeling like this is because of um like the disrespect for god like just thinking i i i hurt for him i'm i feel bad for him yep. well or what we are able to do that. It's just hurting him so much, right? And later on in the Tanya, we're going to learn
0: certain mantras and certain meditations to create certain emotions to feel towards God. So keep that, and it's going to be very powerful use later for some meditations that you're we're going to work on. Okay. So the, I I I don't want anyone leaving from this class feeling broken and distraught. Okay, because. What we're learning from this class is we're getting a little bit of a reality check, right? Whoa, like sinning is a big deal, right? We should take this seriously. This is not something that we just take lightly. But also because we are aware and because we know what big of a deal it is, our soul perceives that. Our soul knows that it's such a big deal. And that allows us to use our emergency system. And our emergency system can be deployed in any moment, in any time, because any time you're about to sever from, for any time you're about to sever from Hashem is a crisis moment, which allows that tool to be
1: used. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can I share something? I yeah. mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a bit personal, but it's okay. Um, you see why I feel the way I do is because I live with, um, not in this, the house, but in my life with my children, my grandchild, um, they are not at all um, aware of Hashem. Although as much as I tried to put it on them, you know, to instill some Judaism. So just recently, the very last act was um, they, my daughters, my daughter wants to take, I'm sorry, I lose my speech. Sometimes I get so emotional. Um, She wants to go to the beach because it's my grandchild's birthday and she can only do it on a Saturday and she's inviting me. And I declined because I will not, I sanctify Shabbat and it, it is the way it is. So you know, it's not as bad as like uh, putting my child on the altar on on, on the to be slaughtered. I'm, I'm not Abraham, but
0: Abraham didn't do that either.
1: But he <laughs> but he, remember that part of the story. He was ready to. Yeah. It's just as if it's just as if he did it. So for God, you know, so, the to, you know, it hurts me to have to do this to my own grandchild to not be able to participate in that party they're having at the beach on shabbat and but i love god more than anything i'm sorry but that's just the way it well, is a, but a, but, a, but, a, but, I, but i i hurt a lot i mean yeah. it's like i'm so the, between the torn. two
0: right it's ca- sometimes it can cause a lot of pain and we're in situations where we have to make choices is it our values or is there, is it you know what, what do we do and i think we can never go wrong when we we do we make godly choices, and it might feel wrong and it might feel bad, and your your kids and your might be very angry or upset with you. But when you when you make godly choice, I really believe that the the light shines out of you, and people understand, and and it's it's usually not taken negatively. And it really does bring more light into this world. And we, I'm sure we all have our stories where we're put in positions where we have to make a choice, right? And sometimes we make that choice, right? Like uh, what's his name? Um, Famous baseball player. Um, What's his name? Oh my gosh, why am I? um,
1: Sandy Koufax.
0: Sandy Koufax, who made a choice. He wasn't even a religious Jew. The amazing thing about Sandy Koufax, this is a perfect story to say right now, is that he, he wouldn't play the World Series on Yom Kippur. The crazy thing about that story is he wasn't a practicing Jew. But, he, but guess what happened? His dormant love came out roaring and said, you're not doing this. You are not going to be playing the World Series on Yom Kippur. That's too far. That's too far. So we all have those kinds of choices we have to make. And sometimes we rock it and we make the good choice and sometimes we don't, but we're here to make the, make, have the opportunity to make the choice again. So, and choice comes with pain. I, I, I always say this, it's more of like a, in, a, in the therapeutic world, but you know, there's always a, cho- life is a series of choices of what hurts worse, what hurts and what hurts worse, right? Because any choice you make, it's gonna hurt, right? And the question is, what hurts and what hurts worse? Right? And for you, it hurt for you not to be at your granddaughter's birthday, but it hurt worse to disconnect from Hashem. Right? But I'm
1: also disconnecting now with my children. I'm yeah, disconnecting that, because we're not we're not we don't see eye to eye anymore. I'm, I'm into God. Yes. I am into Hashem. He right. is my life. So, and I do
0: want to say that. I mean, listen, everyone's on their journey, but I bet there's a way to do both. You just have to find it. There's a way to be connected to Hashem and find a way to connect to your children as well. That's going to be your challenge, right? That's your work. That's going to be serving Hashem through your challenge. It's figuring out how to serve, how to be connected to your family and to Hashem at the same time. Now we are way over time. So I want to respect that. Sorry. Um, Let me just, we'll just take a minute to close our eyes. We won't do a full meditation because I really, I, we went way over time, but um, just take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just connect to your inner self for a minute. Observe like, how are you feeling? We, we, we said a lot of intense things. We learned a lot. Sometimes learning the reality can be very difficult, but knowledge is power, guys. This is what I want to tell you. Knowledge is power. Embrace it. Use it for good. Don't use this knowledge to crawl into your hole and be depressed. Use this knowledge to now know that how much power we have in our choices, Just sit with that for a minute. Let any stress or tension you have in your body just melt away. Okay. Bring your attention back to your breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And gently open your eyes when you're ready. Okay. How are we doing? Doing okay? Okay. Um, think about this chapter. It was very intense. That's okay. We can handle it, right? We got this. Come back next week and let's see where the Tanya takes us next week. Tanya doesn't stay um like focusing on the, on transgressions or negativity for very long. As you know, you've been here for 24 chapters. How often do we do that? Right. But we do need to do it. Right. We do need to do it so we can move on to the, to the positive part. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so sorry that I went over 10 minutes. Yikes. That's a long time, but um, I'll see you next week. Thank Take you care. So much.